Hey, Oasis family, welcome to Wednesday night midweek service. As you can see, things look a little different. We're going to be still talking about the life of Joseph, but I want to do it in a different way. Typically, I preach and you listen. And I've been asking a couple of friends what they've been getting out of this Bible study of Joseph. And honestly, a lot of them can't remember anything about it. It's such a crazy time. So I want to switch it up a little bit and have a conversation. For one, so we can actually have authentic conversations about the Bible and you show and show you that it could be awesome doing it that way. And number two, I think you'll get more out of it. And so I've invited a couple of guests tonight. This is my guest, Elise Murphy. I've always wanted to do that. Say hi. So close to my face. I understand hi. that. Elise, I haven't touched you in a while. And this is my nephew, yeah. my little brother, Kendall. Yeah. Well, you're you 17, right? 16. 16. Almost 17. Come on. What, what, what July. July. He'll 20, be 17 20, in July. July. Are you really? Well, I didn't ask you. I don't know why I get so excited about that kind of thing. This is the problem. Sorry, keep, going, July, keep, going, keep going. This is the problem. Okay. So, Kendall, when, when is your birthday? July 20th. July 20th. I'm cancer. <laughs> okay, got it. Put it out. We don't, okay, cool. Um, so, I'm glad that we're talking together. Uh, absolutely uh, going to be great tonight. So, uh, we're going to read Genesis 40, chapters 1 through 20, verses 1 through 23, and we're going to see what God speaks to us tonight, and then we're going to obviously have a great conversation. Verse one says this, sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials and he put them in prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night when each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. And he said, why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. I love that. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that begin to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. That is breaking all CDC rules <laughs> in this time. And then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as his chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh. Joseph is saying, look out for your boy. Don't forget about me. I'm up in this place struggling. And he says, so they might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. And in my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries. Uh, how come there can't be no chocolate pastries? Just, just saying. Might be pertinent to bring up during this time there was no chocolate pastries. It says they were stacked on his head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries of fair, for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. And Joseph said, this is what the dream means. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, then birds will come back and, and peck away at your flesh. That's not a good interpretation. It says, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join all the other officials. 
He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh did impale the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. When I was reading this scripture over this last week or so, the first thing that really stood out is how the chief cupbearer and the chief baker ended up in prison. And it simply just says that sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master, and then they were put in prison. And it just made me think, and it made me process a bit, that I'm starting to believe that there isn't any time where offense doesn't put you in prison. Where, where, where being upset and offended at, at what's going on, I think even for me during this time in our nation, I've really battled offense majorly. It, offense towards you know leaders that I admire and respect that don't say what I want them to say. Offense towards my friends that don't look like me who might not say anything at all. Offense towards people that might not do what I want them to do. And, and it's just interesting this passage of scripture that, that Pharaoh's offense landed somebody in prison. And I wanna submit to you and challenge us all that at some point, offense will always end up with somebody being in prison. Usually it's never the person that offended you. Usually it's it's you. A couple other things that stood out. You like that point? That, that was, was strong. Good. I feel dude, like that was dude, was that yeah. strong? That was That's why I'm a pastor. I was about to say I was get over a lap. Okay, I was right. strong. If y'all want to take up and run, it's cool. Can, can I give you a couple more? 100%. Okay, can you handle it? You All right. And so the other thing that stood out to me was that Joseph, um, this whole Bible study began with Joseph having a dream. Yeah. And now in order to for Joseph to get to his dream, he has to interpret someone else's dream. Right, 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 right. I'm going to say that again. In order for Joseph to get to his dream, he has to interpret someone else's dream. Yeah. I wonder if at times we don't understand that we, we can be so focused on our own dream, but the path to achieving our own dream is to interpret and help somebody else with their dream. And, and I love this co- time we're in, this conversation we're in. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. Mm-hmm. I wonder if our dreams are on hold until we help Martin Shoot. Luther King with his. Come on. I, hey, come listen, on. I'm oh, preaching. Ready, let me. Go. Can, should I stand let's up? Go. I think you need to. I know what. I, I should Just stand up. Stop standing up. Just random moments. And the other thing that I think, and, and this is important for us to understand, that I honestly believe that God is asking all of America to help Martin Luther King with his Dude, dream. So I think good. it was so prophetic, so profound. And I want to remind us what the dream was. The dream was that we would all get together, all colors, all races, all creed, to sit at the table of brotherhood and and worship the Lord. And and I really believe that even during this tough time that God is asking us to help Martin Luther King with his dream. And then the other thing that stood out to me is that uh, they didn't remember Joseph. Joseph interpreted the dream and the guy that he helped didn't remember him. And I think I struggle sometimes with not being remembered by people who I have helped. Mm. Um, But but God, the scriptures are clear that God, it is God who remembers us. Mm. Um, There's plenty of voices that uh, voices that point out to God remembering what uh, his people do for him that love him. And so I I think that when you're forgotten by people, just remember you are remembered by by God. And so I want to ask. That's so good. It is. It is really good. Okay, you felt strong about that. Okay, it was fire. Okay, so Kendall. Let me ask you a question, and I'd love for you to answer it as well. But we were talking in the car on the way here, and we were kind of talking about how Joseph had this dream. 
and you know, his dad gave him the Gucci robe. Right. He was like, yo, like it's, it's dappered up, it's dappered up just pop. Right, right, right. You know, brothers were jealous of him. And he had this dream with a, you know, the, his their grain sheaves were bound to his grain sheaves. And he had this dream that he thought was amazing. Right. But then in between having the dream and the fulfillment of the dream, he had some really difficult things. You know, he was thrown in the pit. He was thrown in prison for something he didn't do. And then a famine hit. Right. And for our uh, world right now, especially in L.A., we lost Kobe yeah. and COVID-19 and then literally the, the, the highest sense of racial injustice in our country, maybe since the 60s. Yeah. Like, what do you feel about that process, how God put so many difficult things in Joseph's past in be, path in between his dream and the fulfillment of his right. dream? We were kind of talking about that in the car. Yeah, what do you think you about know, that? Especially in this time right now, but like you said, losing Kobe, the, the COVID-19, all these things, right? And I've learned to, to fall in love with the process, to, to fall in love with the grind, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people right now, this is like their rock bottom, right? This is the hardest time in their life. You may be, you know, struggling with financially, socially. You can't see anybody right now. It's, we're so, you know, in this time, it's yeah. so difficult, right? Yeah. And so I always think if you're at the rock bottom, there's the only way you can go is up, right? That's great. And yeah. so if you're really struggling yeah. right now, 10 years from now, five years from now, and you're, in, and you can't, and you're struggling to pay the bills and you turn around and go, look, I've, I went through COVID-19 where I lost a family member, Black Lives Matter movement is so strong, so prevalent right now. I couldn't pay the bills. I got through that. Then why can't I get through this, right? right? That's right. Great. Why can't I persevere and get through this next stage in my life when I've already been on the rock bottom? That's great. And so I think that's what Joseph did in this. He he understood that he was at that low point in his life, and that in jail I would I would be like, you know what? This is the hardest time in my life. I already already seen yeah. what yeah. what the bad things. I can get through this, right? Yeah. I can be so strong and God will, will guide my path to get through that. Yeah, I think that's so, so good. good. I remember my mother passed away in front of my face when I was 19 years old. And in one sense, what it did for me was it made me be able to deal with the rest of life because I would hold that in the light of my mother's passing. So if this happened, I was like, oh, I watched my mom die in front right. of my face, so I'm good. But in some ways that also affected my compassion for other people wow. because I would compare their problems to that. Mm -hmm. I watched my mom die in front of my face and you just lost a job, like you'll yeah. be fine. Right. So do you feel that sometimes mm -hmm. that hard times like this can affect people's compassion or like Kendall said, do you feel like it, it helps them look towards a future that's only up for here, from here? What do you think? I think that? it's our decision. I think yes to both of them. I think that we can get compassion fatigue and we can get trauma fatigue in a sense that you're seeing so much stuff happening this year. Like it's just felt overwhelming. And right. they, there is a temptation for us to like, we see another like injustice on the news and suddenly it's like, I don't, I can't do this anymore. Or we can say, God, you've been preparing me for this. And I think that it's our, it's our decision, what we do now with it. And I think that if we allow God to do what he wants to do in us, I love what you just said. I think God prepares us for these things. Um, I have a decision when I went through a divorce, do I now look at people with that go through a breakup and I'm like, whatever you win. Like, yeah, I'm going through a divorce. Or do I look at them and say, hey, God's prepared me because of what I've been through to be able to yeah. help you out of it. And I think often we can relate in this story to like a Joseph who was forgotten. And we always feel like the forgotten person until we realize we've been both Joseph and the cupbearer who forgot Joseph. 
So we've all been the person that has felt forgotten. Yeah, say that again. That's really good. We've been been both. We've been both. We've been the person that feels forgotten. And then we've also been the person to forget the person still in prison. We've been so excited about our freedom or the thing that we have gotten or the favor that's on our life now that we've forgotten about the person who gave us the keys to it, who helped us out of it, who interpreted the dream for us. And so I think it's, it's both. It's... God did prepare you and he did use your mom's death to be able to help you walk through things. And he wants you to go back and get the other people and not look at them and say like, that's a tiny prison. Like it's still a prison. I think we can size up people's prisons and be like, whatever. Like you got like room to move around except for saying like, well, you're in prison. I think that's really important because one of the things that helped me And this is why I wanted to have this conversation, because if I just preach and share with you all of my revelation, then what tends to happen is you don't know my process. Mm. And I think, Elise, you said something really powerful, and I want to share this with you. When you read scripture, I want to teach you to do this. Make yourself the worst person in the story. (laughs) Yes. That's great. Like, make yourself the worst person in the story. And so if you read the story between Jesus and the adulterous woman, don't read the story like you're Jesus. Yes. Yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to help people that are, we got to. <laughs> I've like, been trying to I, do that. Well, yeah, I've, I've been, I put my finger in the dirt yesterday for somebody. No, no, you're the adulterous woman. Yes. When you read this story, sometimes we can go, yeah, uh, people don't remember me. Mm-hmm. And we don't do what you said, where we look at the person who forgot Joseph and, and say, who am I forgetting? Yes. And so I think that's right. important when we read so this scripture. When you look at this, you know, and, and just kind of to touch on that, I think sometimes tough times um, lead lead us to remembering the things that God wants us to remember. Mm-hmm. And what do you feel like, Kendall, it, during this crazy six months, what do you feel like God is telling people to remember? Or what do you feel like God's telling you to remember that maybe you've lost sight of, mm-hmm. you know, when we're busy? I call it busy with the blessing. Oh, like so good. many times when we're that's busy so with true. the blessing in the season, we forget like a core value yeah. or, or, or something. We forget to call our grandma parents right, right, or something. Like, right. what do you feel like that, that thing is for you? During this uh, for me personally, I've always thought, um, you know, I've in high school and, and going through, I'm so socially active right now. This is like my time, you know, when you were in high school, you were always doing this and that. So I'm really socially active right mm. now. And besides the fact that we have a lot of technology nowadays, yeah. so you still have that communication. Um, Friends and people that you're close with are so important. And um, for me, I've now seen who's really my true friends. Oh, shoot. Okay. I've really seen it because I will go days and I'll call a person up, right? I'll call somebody. Hey, how you doing, bro? Well, yeah, yeah, this and that. How you been? Hmm. Right? And then a week later, it's like I I have to make the same call. It's like... Why aren't you calling yeah, me? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where is the mutual relationship? Like, yeah. where is the same effort? And so I know that I have these guys. These, these people are my rock, right? These people are who I will spend the rest of my life with. I will have lifelong relationships with. And that in this right now is just a test of, of how strong we really are. And then we can build upon that. That's great. And so, like you said, I just think this for me is understanding who my true friends are and and understanding that you know sometimes we have to rely on ourselves you know this is a time where you, this is a, a a personal test right 
because you, you're battling different things, but then socially and with your friends, you can also rely on them and they will check in on you and you will check in on them and you have a community with right. each other. That's right, that's great. amazing. What do you think, Elise, is the thing that you feel like God uh, has been challenging you to remember during this time? Jeez, I think that um, I'm also very social as a person. Um, which is not a surprise to anyone that knows me. So this has been interesting because I actually live by myself. So mm. everyone has, in especially during quarantine, there's a pro and a con to everything. If you live alone, the pro is that you don't have like kids running around, you don't have to homeschool them. But the con is that like you are alone and don't have like human contact except through a screen. If you're married, you've got a spouse. Well, everyone mm. has a like plus and a, and a minus on it. But I think for me, it's really been remembering to be familiar with God's voice. And I think when there are so many voices around me, I'm so easily swayed because I'm like, I just wanna be with people and I just want I just want mm. to be best friends with everybody. Right, right, right. But that can have a tendency to then shut down or lower the voice of God for whoever's the closest voice around me. And for the last three, four months, the closest voice around me has been me and God. And so really, I think that remembrance of like, what does that feel like when God speaks to me? How do I know? Often we say like, how do I know if God's speaking to me? Well, it's that familiarity. Just like when I, if you call me Julian, I know it's you. You say Elise, Marie, Murphy. I do full government. Every yeah, full single government. time. I know it's you. Even if, you, even if your name didn't come yeah. up on the phone, because I know you. Yeah. And I think that's been the thing I've, I've come back to in this season that I'm like, I don't want to lose that when we... When I get to be around a lot of different voices again, I want to remember what God's voice sounds like. Man, that is so good. What about you? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. I think I've been remembering two things that what God, God's given me a lot, but what he has given me first typically mm -hmm. is, is like the most important thing to him. So he gave me my wife yeah. and he gave my kids first before yeah. all the influence in the church. Yeah, good wife and good kids. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I've been really at home focused on that. And then mm -hmm. the second thing that I feel like he, he's asked me to remember is that anything that God wants um, and, 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 and his timing, he's going to do. Yeah. So just to stop fighting so much for what I think God wants that people are stopping. Like I've just been really thinking about even our building and not being able to gather. Like. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that God doesn't want that. Right. right. And the government wants churches to close. But I've, as I've leaned into that, I'm like, I think God wanted that for a season. I've studied the scriptures and realized, you know, that there's times where he shut down festivals and gatherings yeah. based off the genuineness of those yeah. festivals right. and gatherings. And you think about how divided our country is on race, especially in the church. Yeah. And we were gathering every Sunday and yeah. ignoring this. Yes. So I wonder if he shut it down right. so that nobody has a Sunday service to prepare right. for they actually have to prepare for how they're going to address racism in this country. So I've been That's remembering good. that what God wants, he gets. And I don't need to stress about it so as, as much as I've, I've done in the past. I want to ask one more question, and then we're going to jump to the next you know, uh, part of this conversation. But the scariest part about Joseph's story, and we're going to get there in this Bible study uh, at the end, but the scariest part of Joseph's dream is that he um, had uh, a dream where his uh, sheaves of grain he had his and his brothers and his family sheaves of grain bowed to his his brothers betrayed him mm. his brothers betrayed him and I think this is really relevant because I, the core of our nation's pain 
but typically, typically even the African American right now, is not just injustice. I think that we are spiritual beings. We've all been created in the image of God. And so what we're experiencing that we're not really saying or can't express is the betrayal of a brother. Wow. You know, a police officer is supposed to be our brother. They're, they're, um, that police officer is supposed to be George Floyd's brother. Yeah. Protect and serve. And even in Genesis chapter 4, the first murder in the Bible, God shows up and asks Cain, hey, where's your brother? And he says, he didn't say, hey, who did you kill? He said, where's your brother? Oof. And then Cain said this thing, am I my brother's keeper? Which means, am I my, am I my brother's protector? Right. So no man would kneel on their brother's neck for nine minutes. Right. They just wouldn't. So the issue, even, even with race, great conversation, but the real issue is with brotherhood. And so Joseph's deep pain that he was betrayed by his brother, brothers is scary to me because God actually promoted Joseph to the palace to provide for the people who put him in the pit. Mm. Yeah. I, Say it again. I, I Say am. it again. I had to do the the office. Yeah. You know the you, show, you the office. The I had to, we freeze. I had to do the office eye dart, like just look right into the camera, because <laughs> I said part of Joseph's calling was that God would promote him in the palace so that he could care for the people who put him in the pit. Oh my goodness! And so this end, we're going to get to the end Jeez. of the Bible st- story, but this ends with Joseph having to look his oppressors, yes, in the and face. his betrayers in the face. And give them something they could get nowhere else because God had put them in the position to do so. What do you feel that it means to be able to, let me rephrase it this way. Do you believe that it is possible, and it's obviously a bit of a trick question, but do you believe that God is preparing your heart through this Bible study or through this season to be able to do something for somebody who deeply um, betrayed you. Um, I think of Jesus kissing Judas on the cheek, his betrayal on the cheek and saying, friend, do what you've come to do because you're actually helping me redeem people. Have you ever looked at betrayal? Have you ever looked at betrayal in your life or can you ever look back on experience where somebody deeply hurt you and it helped you? Right. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Tell us about it, Elise. Well, um, yeah. I remember, um, I mentioned it just before, um, I remember thinking I had forever in the bag when I walked down the aisle, you were in the wedding party, to marry my husband and then getting a divorce not a year later and wondering how, and we've all thought this, but like, how could this happen to me? It wasn't about anyone else, it was about me. And through this process that I went on of, of healing and wholeness, I think the greatest gift my ex-husband gave me was my wholeness. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because it forced me to look at the things that were going on deep down. There's a church kid, as long as I wore the smile in church, no one asked the questions. As long as I knew the scriptures, no one would really ask me how I was doing really. And there was a lot of stuff going on in there. And I think that the beautiful thing about that process was I got my wholeness maybe for the first time. And I remember coming back to LA. You remember I went back to Australia for a few months just to get healthy and be able to do it um, away from crowds and stages, which is which is great. Um, I wasn't happy about it, but mm-hmm. good job. Um, and I remember coming back and you saying, Elise, I want you to get to the place of forgiveness that that person could walk back in to Oasis and you'd be happy to see them. And you'd say, mm-hmm. welcome home. 
And I was like, bro, I was so mad at you. Because right, yeah. I was so mad. Because right. I was like, have you not seen what I've been through? Have yep. you? And you said, because the place that you'll be in on the day that that happens is that you are going to be, can you imagine the husband that you will have? Can you imagine the kids that you will have and the life that you'll be living just like Joseph? He wasn't just the guy that was still in the pit. He was now the prime minister that got the harvest to be able to like save them. So his life, you know, had been redeemed. And I remember you looking at me saying, I need you to get to that place. And then that became my new goal. And so that's why I was smiling when you're asking that question is because I feel like I'm, I'm fair mm-hmm. and wow. I don't even have the life of that yet. Of like the, imagine the place you'll be in. But I just feel like, and even honestly, the last couple of weeks with everything going on with racial injustice and all that kind of stuff, there for sure is a new compassion that I feel like God's given me as I've allowed my eyes to be open in the church, I think that we have a culture sometimes of hearing but not really listening right. mm-hmm. and hearing the words but not applying them to my life. Mm-hmm. So I hear it, there's racism, yeah, people should stop being racist. But do we say, hey, God, where am I racist? Wow. What do I need to change? And I think that for me has allowed me, it's so painful and it's really tough because mm-hmm. we're not as good as we like to think we are. I'm not as good as I like to think I am. But when we do, there is a healing that can come from that to allow us to look to that oppressor or that person that that broke our heart and say, not only do I forgive you, but I've got so much compassion that, like, come back to the family if you need to, you know? One of the things I've been telling people, too, is that once you answer the question, um, where am I racist, and the answer is nowhere, now you have to ask yourself even a harder question. Where am I lying? <laughs> and then you have to answer, so ask yourself another question. Where am I an environmentalist for racism to grow? Wow. Because you actually don't have to be racist. You can right. be an environmentalist. Let me give you an example. White family has a little boy named Billy. Whitest name I can think of. Discreet white. <laughs> Billy, um, parents are not racist at all. Not racist at all. Don't hate black people on any level but don't love them, just don't hate them. Meaning when I said don't love them, they don't ever, they don't have any black friends, they never bring any black children around their kids. And so little Billy never grows up to hate black people, but he doesn't also grow up to love them. Right. right. So that, that's what I mean environmentalist. So then little Billy goes to school with little Chase. Ooh, another white name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little Billy it. goes to school with little Chase. Little Chase has moved to California from a part of the country where racism is actually celebrated. Mm. So little Billy now becomes best friends with little Chase. Little Mm -hmm. Billy has never grown to be racist, but he's also never been introduced to any black person ever. Little Chase has a conversation with little Billy, calls a black person the N-word in front of Billy. Now Billy's first introduction to the African-American community is hate from Chase. And so since you've never actually had black people around you, since you've never taught your kids about that, they're introduced it to another person and you are accidentally an environmentalist for racism. It's that simple. Yeah. And so we don't want other kids teaching our, our children about sex. We don't want other kids teaching our children about race. We don't want that. And so we have to have these conversations. That is so good. Kendall, I want to make sure you have yeah. a moment to answer that question. Do you feel like there's been a moment where um, something that hurt you has helped you? Definitely. I think I hate this slogan per se, but my dad always used it. It's, it's kill him with kindness, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, come on, pop. for me, I, I mean, it's Make it highly, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, coming coming through. Pop's coming through, but I, I mean, <laughs> when he said it to me, I really don't like it. Like, yeah, I, I, I generally it. don't for like sure. it. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm the type of guy, like, I just want to pop you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't want to hear it kill him with kindness, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hurt him with but, punch. Right. Um, but I've learned through that, and it's so important that um, when people look at you doing kindness and great acts and, and really um, being a genuine person, they're, they're their brain naturally just gets a different perspective on you, right? Yeah. And so I've been through battles in my life and, and where people have betrayed me and, and done harmful things to me that have declined my, you know, like just made me feel bad, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm able to go back to them and, and kill them with kindness and their perspective on me changes, right? And so now that their perspective on me has changed, they are now willing to accept me. And I, although I've been through trials and tribulations with them, we are now be able to unite because mm. we're killing each other with kindness. We're being nice to each other. We're allowing this, this warm feeling inside with each other. So that's what I think I've, I've learned to do. And I, and I hate using that slogan, but I, I mean, I think it's just what it is. As, learning to kill people with kindness and even though they might have done something to you in the past or hurt mm -hmm. you or betrayed you that's the thing that we need to do yeah that's so good i, I mean I, I wanted to um before we pray for you i wanted to just really share really some final thoughts um jerry springer used to have final thoughts so i will too that's a great person of reference yeah thank Strong. you thank you but um even this this phrase killing with kindness our entire faith is really centered around what does it mean to be a Christian? And I think right now there, there are so many Christians, meaning people who associate themselves with a, a belief. But really what being a Christian is about is not just associating yourself with a belief. The Bible says that we actually die to ourselves and we are resurrected into a greater image of who Jesus is. And so I think, Kendall, what you're saying and what I want to suggest to all of us is that we don't forget kindness um, in every post, in every conversation, that we don't forget kindness. Because what kindness actually does, according to what Kendall said, is kindness helps speed up the death process for a person that really needs to change and become more like Jesus. And I have found that in my own life. When I've expressed kindness, it accelerates the death process. And so we say kill them with kindness. What we're saying is, Kill the person in the part of them that doesn't want to address racism. Kill the part of them that doesn't want to hear about who Jesus is. Kill the part of them that wants to reject certain things that God is doing uh, in their life. And I really believe that kindness is a weapon. And so many times we want to like lash out. Anger is a weapon, but a kindness is also a weapon. And I think so many times, even as me, if I speak out and I'm not expressing anger, people think I don't get it. And just because you're saying something kind, kindness is a weapon. It actually does, the Bible talks about it, it puts heaping burning coals on top of somebody's head who's done something wrong to you. And so I do believe that there's gotta be a movement of kindness and compassion in the church. And I really wanna pray for people right now who are listening to this story of Joseph and saying, that's me. I feel betrayed. Or people who are listening to it and say, hey, I'm the cupbearer. I, I, I haven't remembered people who have been there for me. And I really believe as we go through and have this conversation about Joseph's life, 
that we're, we're going to see a powerful move of God in our, in our life. I'm, I'm going to pray, and, and I really believe that God's going to bless you right where you are. Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing during this time. God, I think the fact that we're going through the story of Joseph is just so amazingly timely um, because Joseph had a dream. He went through three very tough things as we have, and then you brought the fulfillment of that dream. I pray everybody listening right now would understand that I honestly believe that these hard times that we are going through as a nation, a community, a city are, are pushing us toward the God dream that you have given us. And so we thank you, Lord. We're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, can y'all help me thank my amazing guests, Elise Murphy, Kendall, Haley. Thank you for joining us on Wednesday night, The Conversation. We will see you soon. I love you so much. Wash your hands. Okay.